From the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb. And I'm Hilary Emmer. We can't wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. We're, we're glad to have everyone here for um, this episode for The Sounding Board and excited to have you all listen and hear from our guest this week. And I'm going to let her take it away. Hello, and thank you, Hillary. Um, my name is Kristen Nielsen, and I am a licensed school counselor, uh, but I work in a day treatment facility, and we'll get more into the details of that in a bit, uh, but I work for Summit Counseling Solutions, and I am the manager of academic support there, so I kind of act as like their transitional school counselor while they're in treatment, um, and work really closely with their assigned school counselors from the schools they're coming from, so that's the short of what I do. That. That's very cool. So um, Summit is a, is it just a day treatment program or is there like a residency piece to that where? Um, that's a great question. So we provide day treatment and IOP levels of care okay. um, for any adolescent age 12 to 17. Very cool. So not a residential. Um, and we'll actually, I want to get into that whole thing about the different levels of care. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to speak to today. Um, so anyway, so I don't know if you want me to go into that now or if you had some, some other questions for me as to what I do specifically. I actually think that's a really good place to start. And then um, maybe what we could do after that is just talk about, um, you know, if school counselors see that their students may have a need or, um, you know, they're worried about certain students or like how to connect them to a service like yours, kind of like next steps. But I think understanding what that is and the whole process of everything is actually really helpful because um, some people may know and some people may not know. So mm -hmm. why don't we start with that? I think that's a really good place to start actually. Awesome, thank you. Um, so yeah, the levels of care, um, when we talk about levels of mental health care treatment, we're talking about this wide range of services that typically align with different degrees of individual acuity or mental health decline. Mm -hmm. um, so here's where the confusion originates. There are five different levels of mental health care that are designed to address and treat varying degrees of mental health decline. And within those levels of care are dozens of different specialties. And then within those specialties are providers with varying degrees of licensure. Um, mm -hmm. And each level of care and or specialty may practice um, multiple modalities. So it can get really confusing really fast. Yeah, uh, let me just kind of break it down as simply as I can. So let's start with the lowest level of care, and that would be GOP or general outpatient. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one that most are familiar with. That's just, you know, you see your therapist once a week, uh, maybe once or twice a month for mm -hmm. about an hour. You know, we know we all kind of know what kind of client is best suited for that, what kind of student yeah. is best suited for that. They can keep themselves safe. They may not even look like they obviously have any mental health problems. Yeah. Um, but then you get into higher levels of care and that's where it starts to get a little tricky to understand, you know, what, what level of care might be best for this or that student. So that's what I kind of want to talk to uh, today. The next level up from, from GOP is IOP or intensive outpatient. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's more involved. And with an IOP program, you have individual family and group therapy, uh, several hours um, at a time, several days a week. Usually it's three hours at a time for three days a week um, after school and work. And so uh, those kids do need a little more support. They still require being able to come back to that structure to reinforce what they've been learning in terms of coping skills and emotion regulation. Yeah. 
And so just up from that is day treatment or PHP, which stands for partial hospitalization. And that's, that's what we also do. We do IOP and we have PHP or day treatment. Okay. Um, and this is where students will receive um, therapeutic support during their school day. So they're there all day, but then they go home at night um, and they're able to keep themselves safe. So they, they've committed to a safety plan, mm -hmm. uh, but they do need that structured day in order to maintain that safety and so that they can learn the skills of self-regulation throughout their day um, and then apply that when they go home. So, so that hopefully explains that. And typically the, the teen that needs day treatment will see one of two things. Either they have a history of academic struggle, mm -hmm. uh, persistent academic decline. So that's the keyword there, persistent, or they need daily intervention and structure or supervision to maintain basic academic requirements. Um, or they also exhibit uh, an inability to cope with the responsibility of just maintaining regular, like age appropriate expectations for daily activities. Um, yeah. So they're not, they're not a danger to others. These or are themselves. And they're yeah. not even really a danger to themselves. Um, but they've, they've often come to us from a place where they have made a suicide attempt okay. and they come to us from a hospital situation. Okay. Um, but they don't need to, that's not necessary. These yeah. kids aren't actively suicidal. They, but they struggle and they need that structure. And then above that, you have um, RTC or residential. Mm -hmm. And that's where they live at the facility and they are a danger to themselves and others. Yeah. They need more and more structure. Every minute of their day is, is monitored. Yep. And then uh, inpatient level, which is a, a very short-term acute stay in a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when we say they're in uni, like that's typically right. what that would be. Yep. So hopefully we're all familiar with these levels of care, but I've found surprisingly that a lot of people aren't, a lot of practitioners, or, sorry, not practitioners, a lot of school counselors yeah. are not uh, familiar with these levels of care. I wasn't until I started working at Summit. Um, that's not something that I was specifically taught in my program. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are. No, I, I would agree with you on that. I think it's something we probably just all assume that school counselors <laughs> know. Um, you know, cause we are sort of that first, first aid mental health person in the yes. school, but we're like, like, we're, we're like that emergency room, you know, yeah. we're like, whereas like, there is this whole other side to it. And I mean, I even think about for myself, I think I only know that because in my undergrad, I was working at a residential treatment center and yes. so saw like, I knew this side of it and had experience, but it's like, oh yeah, that's, not everyone like does that, you know? So I feel like that was really helpful too, just even knowing um, and hearing how many different levels of intervention there are available and yeah. that it really is about like meeting those students where they are and with what they need. Yes. Um, because the goal is, like you said, helping them practice those coping skills and doing those things so that they can just, you know, manage that anxiety and like be out there in the world again, um, and not have to have so much structure and, uh, all of that, that they kind of know how to do that on their own too. So, yeah. And it's interesting as to structure itself, it's the specific type that is helpful depending on how they present with their symptoms, because you could also argue that school is a very structured place, Yeah, but for some kids, it's a structure that is actually dysregulating versus yeah. therapeutic. So it has to be very specifically therapeutically structured for sure. um, with the structure they need. Yeah. 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 Especially with what were you going to say? 
Oh, oh, I think you finished my thought for me. That was, you said exactly what I was thinking. So, okay. Um, so I think like, you know, school counselors in general, you know, we, we do see a lot of students. We, I think we are a little bit on both sides of it. Sometimes we see that someone may need more support than what they're currently getting, you yep. know, cause they may, um, we may be seeing things where like, wow, they really do need some outside support here. This is like, they're just not in that. They're not ready to be here and be doing school every day. How do we help mm-hmm. get them there? Um, but then there's the other side too, with helping them transition back to school, you know? Um, so I wonder what, it is kind of two questions, like one, how do we help get them the help initially? What are some good, like first steps or things that you've seen? And then, and then maybe let's talk about the transition side too. And just things that could be really helpful from your perspective, um, for how we can make sure we're helping kids the best way that we can, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. And you spoke to um, transitions, particularly that that is research based. Um, that is a, an element of long term um, uh, gains from care is mm-hmm. the careful transition in and out of care and to different levels of care. That is actually something that we focus on very um, specifically at Summit. So I'll get into that a little more when we when I talk about my company okay. specifically. But as, as far as how we can help counselors, I wanted to address two problems that we see that are, are real barriers to early intervention. Yeah. And, and it has to do with parental knowledge, really. Parents mm-hmm. lack this information. The, the information I just shared about the levels of care, parents have no idea. Yeah. Um, we, we hardly know ourselves right. unless we're taught. Or, or like you said, have worked there. Like yeah. a lot of us know about it because we've worked there. Um, and parents, they just don't have this information that they need to connect what they see from their teen with an understanding of its severity and mental health terms. Um, and, and that might be even before they, they know that there's a mental health issue. Maybe they see behavior and they don't even know yeah. it's a mental health issue. For example, you know, they see their student refusing to go to school and they may not recognize that as a symptom of anxiety. Right. They might just think, well, they're just, they just don't want to go to school. They don't know what else to call it. And yeah. so we need to help the parents understand, you know, to understand what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. But also, um, even when parents are able to see and understand the presence and degree of acuity of these symptoms, um, they mostly aren't going to be aware of what level of care is appropriate. So yeah. I think our school counselors really have a lot of power. Uh, this is actually great news because school counselors and mental health workers can work together to easily solve these problems. Yeah. Um, by helping parents break down these barriers by understanding the levels of care and how to line it up with what they're seeing in their, in their child. Yeah. Um, and school counselors are, are experts already at providing education and delivering it well. Yeah. It's just what kind of education to deliver is the only, is the only remaining question. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. where we want to be able to help and support schools and school counselors is by um, giving them you know, this kind of information to use to give to parents. For sure. And that, um, I think sometimes I've noticed too, just helping, um, helping that to be like an okay choice that it's like, it's okay if your kid needs more help or more support, because if we can do this now and, and give everything we can to, to, help them be, you know, successful or, or manage this or figure out what's going on, like why they don't want to go to school and ask those questions, 
then it's just, um, you know, it's sort of demystifying the whole mental health treatment (laughs) aspect of things too, sometimes. And that this is a totally acceptable route and Mm -hmm. everything can still be fine. (laughs) Everything will be okay. And, um, it's not better or good or bad. It's just, this is, this is the next thing for, for this family and this student to do, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I love that. And so like a plus for sharing that, cause I think that will be a, a game changer too, just to like have more knowledge on our end mm-hmm. of what outside resources looks like, <laughs> you know, I did air quotes with outside resources. Cause I think we, <laughs> we think we know what that is, but I think really knowing really what that is and what that could entail can help us alleviate the fears and questions from students and families who are like, well, what does that mean? Like, what are you saying? <laughs> you know? Yes. And it's changed too from generation to generation. And there, there's far less reason to be concerned now than there was maybe a generation ago. Um, it, there doesn't need to be the stigma. When they come to treatment, it's, it's with all this support and education. And once you get into some of the stuff that we teach, you realize, oh my gosh, everyone needs this. Like, <laughs> Everyone yes. needs to learn these skills. Absolutely. <laughs> and a lot of grown-ups who don't know these things. Uh-huh. Uh, so, <laughs> That's so, so true. Yeah, I'd like to um talk about then specifically what we do. Yeah, let's do that. Because I found we found that day treatment and IOP are the least understood, the most misunderstood levels of care. Mm-hmm. So so what do we do at Summit? Um and these are kind of um, like, tell me if I'm thinking of this, right. This is sort of that middle, middle tier, the two yes. tiers, right? Yeah. Like, like the just up from seeing your therapist once a week, once a week and just up from that as well. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So just kind of between the once a week to like needing to be uh, checked in for yeah. like an inpatient thing or into a treatment center. Okay. Okay. I love this. Yeah, so, so our day treatment program consists of two parts. Um, they come in at around nine and leave about three o'clock. So they're there, like I said, like the school hours of the day. The mm-hmm. first half of their day is dedicated to academics and that's where I am with the kids. And so um, my, my co-manager and I, we both have a caseload. So we act as school counselors. I um, meet with kids once a week. We make treatment plans with them that are relevant to their academic needs, and then they are able to work on school assignments for the majority of the morning. Um, the The cool thing is, is that they can bring their school with them. They stay registered at their school, and so they're still in contact with all the supports they get there. Yeah. Plus, they get the support from us as well, so they're getting support on both sides. Um, and then they don't have to suffer any um, huge lapses in credits. Because yeah. what you see sometimes from residential facilities, and this is not to their, this is not to, to you know, any detriment to them, yeah. but, um, but it's just the way it has to be done. But often they yeah. have their yeah. curriculum and it doesn't always transfer, but they don't finish it in time before they're done. And I've right. seen that happen. Right. So, so with us, um, we help with that transition in and out by staying with their school. And most of the time we have teachers really wanting to work with us to make sure that that's smooth. Um, but some of the districts, they offer their own online platform and that works really well too. So it just depends on the district they're coming from. Um, but we find that that, that makes that transition much more smooth. If we just allow their school to be what it is. 
Yeah. And then in the afternoon, they get workshops and um, experientials, which are just amazing activities, honestly, where they just get to experience, like the name implies, um, a situation that um, kind of forces them to use these skills, to put them in action yeah. in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. And they usually have a ton of fun. They get a lot out of those. Um, they have process group once a week where they have group therapy. And then at any point in the week, usually during their school hours, they'll um, have their therapist come and get them for a therapy session. And then they also have family therapy at least once a week. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're getting, they're getting individual group and family therapy plus support for school. And the other cool thing about their school time is that it's kind of like this mini version of their real school, right? It's a tinier yeah. classroom with more support. And so they get like a school setting to practice those skills um, because school is really stressful for most of our kids. And so we want yeah. them to be able to go back to school and, and feel confident that in a classroom setting, they can self-advocate, mm-hmm. they can use coping skills, they know what to ask for. And um, it's also helpful for us in, in helping them develop a 504 plan when they go back if they don't already have one. Yeah. These are the things based on their academic treatment plan that we've worked with them on um, that's really helped them be able to regulate and to be able to do what they need to do. Love that. I love that. Oh, and I, I silly, I forgot to yeah. mention it's all DBT focused. Oh, okay. So are you familiar with DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy? Yep. That's, that's the, those are the skills that we teach. Um, so I'm not sure if everyone would know what DBT is. So, um, uh, tell me if I'm getting this right. It's sort of kind of like, um, opposites. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's like, that's always how I've thought of it is it's like, it's sort of like, um, working that behavior from like one end of a spectrum to another one, but you probably are going to articulate this a lot better than me. So I'm going to let you necessarily, I love how you sum that up. Yeah. It's a very Eastern philosophy applied to Western society, like in mental health terms. Um, so it's, uh, instead of things being seen as conflicting, we see them as working together. Like we have this over on this side and this over on this side. So an example would be, I really hate my math homework and I can work hard to do well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. We can embrace both realities and find that middle path. That's a BBT term, just that middle ground of how can we radically accept what, what is in front of us and Mm -hmm. be mindful about it so we can make choices based on our best thinking and not reactionary thinking. Yeah. Um, It also reminds me too, and this is sort of a buzzword that's been in education circles for the last, oh, probably five years, but like fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Oh, yes. You know, rather than thinking, oh, um, you know, um, I did bad on this math test, so I am bad at math. It's that, you know, well, okay, I did bad on this test. What could I do different to improve that grade or do better next time and like kind of challenge the, the, it's not that you are or are not, it's getting better at the thing, you know? Yeah, Yeah, we do. We foster, we do what we can to foster a growth mindset. Um, We speak to thinking errors and try to show kids, you know, how, when, when maybe they're doing some black and white thinking, 
mm-hmm. and say, what would be a more, you know, a more dialectical thought or a more mm-hmm. wise mind or middle path? Middle ground. I like how you said middle these ground. All, I think that's a good. Yeah, thing. these are all kind of DBT terms. So you may not know what, what they're referring to, but basically, um, yeah, how can you accept both op- opposing realities mm-hmm. and find a way forward? That's good. And that's something, you know, counselors, school counselors can use, you know, even, you know, we hear that black and white thinking a lot um, oh, yeah. thinking our students. So <laughs> I think that's a very good, like, here's a, here's a thing to do and use right away too, in the work that we do, um, you know, in a daily setting. So um, let's think, or we were talking about transition piece and like, especially as, um, you know, our students are coming back to the school, mm-hmm. you know, what would be some good things that are like helpful for school counselors to know or to do to just help that be, um, you know, a setup for success and to, and just make sure we're doing all we can to, to help that be a, a good, positive, helpful transition and mm-hmm. instead of like undoing all the work that's been done, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a great question. And of course, some of that is, is to be expected, you know, when they enter school, you might expect to see a little, um, not like going back to square one, but maybe just a tiny bit of regression as they get used to the new environment. But you're right. How can we mitigate that? That's a great question. You're lucky and blessed if you're working with a facility who already has that in mind and is working on their end to do that, but you don't know necessarily if they're going to do that or not. Like uh, at Summit, we do, that's part of our whole program, Mm -hmm. but but other places may or may not. And so you can come at it proactively and say, okay, does this student have or need a 504 plan or an IEP? Yeah. Um, If they do, let's revisit it and let's see if there's anything that needs to be changed. Um, I would say have a transition meeting with whoever their care providers are at the facility with someone at the school or or a group of someone's at the school, admin, uh, their counselor, maybe a teacher or two with their their parent or guardian present to to help them understand what school is going to look like for them based on their 504 or IEP. Yeah. Um, so that they don't go in with any preconceived notions of, oh no, now I'm just being thrown back into the wolves, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get that comforting assurance, like, ah, oh, okay, my school's got my back. Here's what we're going to do for you, kiddo. We, we've we got your back. Um, and maybe even like line them up with a school advocate. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, student advocate. Um, not every school has those, but some do. And that's something that should be done is to to sign them up with one of them to help them. And I would say too, just like have them tour the school, even if it's a school that they were at before, mm-hmm. it's good to have them just walk through and kind of get their bearings again and mm-hmm. see how they feel just being in the building. Yeah. Um, because yeah. that can triggering by itself and they can yeah. address those before they go back in where they have to find their classroom and manage their schedule. <laughs> so yeah. be in the lunchroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And, and there's a lot of things like that that can be addressed. Um, things that kids might not even think of, you know, they've been in this yeah. quiet atmosphere for so long. You might be able to say, well, how do you think you'll be when it's super loud and noisy and there's like literally hundreds of other kids around like, Oh, I didn't think of that. You know, yeah. maybe try that out. Like say, why don't you come and visit for half a day, you know, yeah. while school's in session as well. Yeah. So Just there's different degrees of, of 
being able to kind of get their feet wet again, um, just based on what their difficulties are going to be. Absolutely. And those are all very um, workable, easy yeah. to do things like the yeah, none of that is like outside of the box, really, you know, so um, I think those are definitely things again, it's just that awareness, I think for us, mm-hmm. of thinking through, you know, okay, if this were me in this position, what could be helpful too? you know, mm-hmm. and, and just helping to get them and, and like you said, just talking with the student asking them those questions, like, mm-hmm. you know, have you thought about it, what it will be like when everyone's here, you know, is that going to be something that feels yeah hard, you know, so. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and one other thing I thought of too, is as, as these students transition back and you start to maybe see some of their dysregulation as they're learning to advocate and to use those skills in a different setting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really vital to apprise teachers and admin to be aware of what that means. Yeah. And to look at it the right way, because there's kind of two different paradigms I've noticed and, and they're at odds. And one is an older fashioned paradigm of looking at behavior from a motivational standpoint yeah. and using um, disciplinary and punishing tactics. Mm-hmm. And those still exist just because they've been around. Yep. But then this other paradigm, which is, you know, what need isn't being met. You know, yeah. we see behavior as a symptom of a need not being met. And so to help, I think school counselors are, very powerful because they already have that mindset of looking yeah. for needs being met and anything school counselors can do as a team to really get their their teachers and their admin on board with that way of thinking and say hey let's let's evaluate our policies and see how we're addressing behavioral concerns mm-hmm. how are we even looking at the problem what context are we looking at it in? Yeah. and are we helping the kids who we know struggle and are we helping the kids who may struggle if we handle this the wrong way Yes, exactly. Are we in fact making it worse? <laughs> right. Yep. And adding to the trauma, you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, that's very cool. Um, I feel like I've, I mean, I'm, I've learned a lot just in our short conversation, honestly. Um, oh, thank you. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Um, do you, is there anything you want to make sure to put out there before we wrap things up that we didn't get to. Um, yeah, just, um, be curious, you know, be curious and ask questions and don't be afraid to, to learn about these levels of care and what they can offer you and what's available in your own community. And we at summit are happy to help with that. We have whole lists of partners that we work with and referral cool. lists. And we'd love to work with the schools and school counselors to get that information to you guys so that you can become better informed and like, feel confident in navigating the system yourselves. That is awesome. Um, I'd love to put like, um, tell me what's better if I put like, I don't know, a website link or your email, if people have questions, what would be, um, those in the show notes. Okay. Summit counseling solutions.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can email me anytime. I think you have my email. Um, yeah, but just Kristen at scs4youth.com and Kristen's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Okay. I'll put those two things in our show notes so that people can just link to those right away and see Mm -hmm. them. Um, if they have, you know, other questions or just like, Hey, I, maybe I live in an area where summit is an option is not an option. So Um, can you help me find someone? Absolutely. Um, That we love to help people find what they need. If we're not the ones who can help them, we still want to help them find something. Very cool. 
Very cool. Well, I thank you so much. I have learned so much and uh, you guys will be at our conference as well. So you, everyone can come hit, hit them up, come talk to Kristen, come visit her at the table and ask more questions. And yeah, we're excited too. So it's not too far away. (laughs) Getting closer and closer. Um, But thanks again for your time and and coming and doing this. I appreciate it so much. Awesome. Thank you too. We'll see you. Okay. Bye Kristen. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email the sounding board at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselor Association. USCA members also receive bi-monthly newsletters to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at UT School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselor Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go. Let's go.